The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come he is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To His majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath welcome to pilgrim's progress i'm pastor ray from the national prayer chapel a crashing economy war talk on every side a church that is more interested in entertainment than in honestly facing our sin and dealing honestly with Jesus Christ. A warning for American citizens to leave Russia. It looks like NATO is going to war with Russia and then China. It's destruction. It's clear that governments want to destroy human lives. That they cannot be trusted. Now, if you have made a decision to be a Christian, or if you have not yet made a decision to be a Christian, I want to tell you right up front, truth and advertising, it is not easy to be a Christian. It will cut against everything you know and love. It will reduce to ashes everything in this world that you have treasured. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to begin a story 
Now, the stories in the New Testament, and in particularly Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were not just randomly chosen stories, and they were not separated one from another, but rather, as you'll see today in Luke, the ninth chapter, the story begins, and then it goes wandering through various events and then comes back to an absolute statement by Jesus about who can be his disciple. Many times I have felt and thought that I was up against a wall and I could not understand why. I could not understand what Jesus was doing in my life or what I was doing in his life. There's a reason for my lack of understanding. I'm going to share that reason for lack of understanding via the story in Luke 9. Now, some of you have never made a decision to be a follower of Jesus because it all seemed like a bunch of nonsense to you. What seemed real to you was the world, the flesh, and the devil. But now we're coming to the end of time, and the drumbeat of insanity that's going on in the world should terrify you if you have not yet accepted the reality of Jesus Christ. So we'll begin in Mark, the ninth chapter, and in Luke, the ninth chapter. In Luke, verse 23, Now he was saying to all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and must take up his cross and follow me. Must deny himself. So if you want to be a follower of Jesus, the first thing right up front he says to you is you must disown yourself. You cannot belong to yourself and to Jesus at the same time. You must disown yourself. And this is not a one-time disowning. This is a lifestyle of disowning yourself. Of saying no. Of letting go of all of the world that you love and everything about it that you love. You must come saying no. You must let go and say no. You must deny yourself. Now, already right there, that will clear out a whole lot of people. But, please hear me, the way of life, eternal, is the way of denying myself. Because, can I be quite frank with you? We face 100% mortality rate. You are going to die. You may die of old age. Or you may die of an auto accident. Or of a disease. Or of a shot. But you will die. And then you will face eternity. And there is a judgment that you must face. And Jesus is the judge. So he comes to us very boldly, right up front, and says... Look, if you have any desire in your heart that says, I want to follow Jesus, know that the first condition of following Jesus is to disown yourself. No longer belong to you. You cannot belong to you and to Jesus. You must deny yourself. And you must then take up your cross. That is, you must continually take up that instrument of execution that puts self to death. 
Why is the Christian church so shallow in our culture today and so given to entertainment and so given to the worldly music and so given to preachers that will say, oh, everything's wonderful, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, when in fact you're on your way to hell. Why is that true? Because we deny ourselves one time and say, okay, I'll follow Jesus. But the bottom line that Jesus lays You must deny yourself. You must disown yourself, and then you must take up a cross that will continually execute the self and never let it rise again. It says, For whoever will to save his life will lose it. But whoever may lose his life for my sake, this one will save it. For what does it benefit a man after having gained the whole world, but having lost or forfeited himself? For whoever may be ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of this one, when he may come in his glory and of the Father and of the holy angels. Okay, so let's lay a baseline. If you are going to be an honest follower of Jesus, now this excludes cultural Christians, that is, people who simply want to go through the cultural experience of being a part of church, who want to keep the church calendar. You've got Easter coming, and you've got this coming, and you've got that coming, and and you just enjoy the praise and the worship, and you and you feel good when you're at the church and when you're with other people and that's your friendship place and and that's where you hang out and go to dinner with people and it's a social deal it's a club and the pastor runs the church like a business he's the ceo he's the coach it's about self-improvement it's about strategies for succeeding it's about how do I make myself better? And and how can I be more successful? And what am I going to do tomorrow that makes me even more successful? What's my strategy? What's my goal? All of that is garbage in real Christianity. None of it counts for anything. It's all flesh. So the bottom line is, that if you have any desire to follow Jesus, the first block you come to is the narrow gate, the suffering gate. You must disown yourself and totally give up all ownership of self. Give up the ownership of your money, of your time, Give up your bucket list. Give up your dreams. You die. You're crucified with Christ. He does it. He crucifies you with him. If you will deny yourself and say, yes, I will follow you. Okay, then come. You must be crucified. That's the first step of being a Christian. What will it benefit you if you win the whole world, but you lose your soul? And many of you listening have decided that you will keep Christian faith on one side, and you will keep your faith on the other side, and you will enter into heaven because you're a good guy, you're a good gal, you're a good person. No, you won't. Never been crucified never denied yourself and took up your cross and said, okay, I'm prepared to die. I give up my life.
Now, Jesus says these things to the disciples for a very real purpose. He's now going to walk out the reality of who he is and his glory, that the disciples can see it and know it. Six to eight days after these words, Jesus takes Peter and John and James and he climbs a mountain with them He leaves the other disciples down below to minister to the people who will come. And he goes up on that mountain in order to pray, to be in private. The three men are tired. They've walked a long ways. There was no mountain close by. It was quite a hike. Some say it was all the way to Mount Hermon. That's a long walk. And he begins to pray. But Peter, James, and John don't pray. Instead, they go to sleep. As they're sleeping, something strange begins to happen to Jesus. The glory that he possesses as God begins to break through his clothing. Two visitors come and stand with him. They begin a conversation together. Moses and Elijah. The scriptures tell us that Jesus' face begins to alter. You know, the scripture says that there was nothing in Jesus' face that should attract us. But, oh, this face is attractive. This is his heavenly face. He is being transformed. He is being transfigured. And the glory just lights up the entire area. The glory of God is seen. It's mighty. It's powerful. They're talking with Jesus about the departure that will soon take place. That is the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. Now, Peter, James, and John, they were heavy with sleep. But when they perceive this glory, it wakes them up. And immediately, Peter sees that Moses and Elijah have finished talking with Jesus. And they're saying goodbye. They're going to leave. Now, these two men are also filled and covered by the glory of God. They have come from heaven. And they have spoken with Jesus about his departure. Now, as they begin to separate, and I don't know what that means. How does one separate when you're being transported into heaven? I don't know. Did they begin to ascend? Did their feet leave the ground and they begin? I don't know what happened. But Peter speaks up and he says, Jesus, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. He was, he was out of his mind. But the sense you get in the Greek is he was saying, look, keep Moses and Elijah here. Let's let's build tabernacles here. Let's stay here. This is the gateway to heaven. I want to be where God is. And a cloud comes. A heavy cloud. Cloud descends upon them and it terrifies them. It overwhelmed them. 
They didn't know how to deal with this. This was beyond anything that they'd ever experienced before. And all three of them, Peter, James, and John, are absolutely terrified. The cloud envelops them. And then they hear this very clear voice speaking out of this cloud. And it says, this is my son, the beloved. You must listen to him. I think that's the closest of anywhere in scripture where God the Father had to tell someone to be quiet. Stop talking. And then the voice was silent. The cloud dissipated. And there was Jesus standing before them in his sweat-stained clothing with his glory completely covered over again. Do you understand? Jesus was fully God and fully man. He wasn't just man. He was fully God. So they see Jesus. His face has resumed its normal appearance. His his clothing is no longer brilliant with glory. Now they camped there that night or somewhere on the mountain or on the on the journey back. Verse 37 says, Now it came to pass on the next day, they having come down from the mountain, a great multitude met him. So Jesus is coming down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John. I'm sure they were astonished by what they had observed. I'm sure they didn't know how to deal with it. They had been privy to a conversation between heaven and earth that they could not have imagined would have taken place. Now, as they come to the disciples, there's a great multitude around them, and the scribes are arguing with the disciples. And immediately, as they see Jesus, Peter, James, and John approaching, the crowd runs toward Jesus, and they greet him. And he questions the scribes. What are you discussing with the disciples? What are you talking about? Then, out of the multitude of people, A man answers, and he says, this is Mark 9, verse 17. Teacher, I brought my son to you, having a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him on the ground, and he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes stiff. So I spoke to your disciples so that they could cast it out, but they were not able Jesus says something that's very disturbing. Oh, faithless generation. He's speaking to his disciples. Faithless generation. How long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him to me. Now, if you look over here in Luke, it tells us something else. O generation, unbelieving and having been depraved. How long will I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Depraved. Jesus considers every person who has not accepted him as a depraved person. He considers all human people as depraved. That is, Without, twisted, we're sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. We were born in sin and wickedness. And so we come 
with a depraved heart. But worse than having a depraved heart is a depraved heart that has no faith, no no confidence in Jesus. And so... They bring him to Jesus, and Jesus questions the father. How long long a time is it since this has happened to him? Or how long has this been going on? Jesus gets the answer from childhood. And many times it even threw him into the fire, into the water, so that he may destroy him. But if you're able to do anything, please help us. Have compassion on us. And Jesus says to him, this is Mark 9, verse 23. If you are able to believe, all things are possible to the one believing. In other words, You're saying, if I can do anything, will I do it? Well, do you believe I can do anything? Do you believe Jesus can take your life where you have not denied yourself and you have not entered in the narrow gate? You've not been crucified. Do you believe that Jesus can take you in that sick condition and transform your life and give you heaven? Listen to the man's answer. The father of the child cried out with tears. He began to cry. He knew this was his one opportunity to have his son healed, and he was messing it up. How many times have you messed up coming to Jesus? How many times has your lust for that wicked sex or that lust for violence or that lust for money messed up your ability to come to Jesus? Lord, I believe. Please help my lack of faith. Wow, that's a prayer many of you need to be praying today. You've never quite made it to Jesus. You've never finally given up your life. You're a cultural Christian, or you're an atheist. You're not a Christian at all. You're a pagan worshiper. You worship yourself or some other pagan god. Please help my lack in faith. Now Jesus sees the multitude is running toward him. He doesn't want to create a spectacle, so he rebukes this unclean spirit, saying to it, Mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him, and no more may you enter. See, the spirit would come and go, come and go, come and go. And Jesus is saying, No more. No more. You cannot enter him again. Having cried out, that is the spirit of demons cried out, convulsed the boy greatly and came out. And he became as dead, so that many thought to say that he was dead. Luke tells us that the demon spirit tore the boy, tried to kill him as he came out. But Jesus took the hand of that young man and lifted him up and stood him up on his feet and totally healed his wounds. Now, after this, they entered into a house, that is, the disciples, Peter, James, and John, And the disciples began to question him in private, saying, Why were we not able to cast it out? 
Now you remember that Jesus had given them authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. But they were unable. When they commanded the spirit to come out, he just laughed at them. He would not come out. So he said to them, this kind can go out by nothing except by prayer and fasting. Oh, now wait a minute. Is this some special class of demon that only comes out by prayer and fasting? Jesus didn't take time to pray and fast. He commanded that spirit to come out, and it came out. Nowhere in the scripture do you have any record where it tells us that Jesus told the disciples, except here, fast and pray before you cast out a demon. See, it was not the demon. A demon is a demon. He's a fallen being. He's a, he's a part of the devil's cadre. The problem was in the disciples. They had no power. They had taken a position that had caused them to no longer have any ability in the spirit realm either to pray to heal, to command demons. Suddenly they had lost the anointing power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So Jesus says it comes out by prayer and fasting. They're going to have to pray and fast to once more come into a right relationship with Jesus. We started this broadcast today by describing what a right relationship is. It is denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. In other words, in prayer and fasting, you deny yourself food, you pray, you repent, and you get back into that saving relationship with Jesus. The disciples had taken an action that had put them outside of the power of God. Now, the story goes on, and you need to hear the whole part. After having gone out from there, this is Mark 9, verse 30, they were passing through Galilee, and he was not desiring that anyone may know. They were traveling incognito, in secret, so that they would not be hounded by people who had desperate need for healing. And he was saying to them, the Son of Man is being handed over to the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after having been killed on the third day, he will rise. But they were not understanding the rhema and were afraid to ask him. Let's go to Luke. Let me turn there quickly. Luke, the ninth chapter. It'll tell us, just a few more details about what was happening. Jesus said to the disciples, you must store up these words that have been in your ears. Indeed, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they were not understanding this word. In fact, it had been concealed from them in order that they might not understand it, but they were afraid to ask him about the word. Now we get a, a bigger picture. They have literally been denied understanding of the word of God. 
they have been denied understanding of the word of God. Now, does that bother you? That tells me that tells me that when you don't understand the scriptures, when you don't understand why you're at an impasse, why you're stopped dead in your tracks, this tells me that God himself, due to your spiritual condition, may step into your life and prevent you from even understanding intellectually the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there are certain things that you can do that will make you ineligible to understand the deep things of the Word of God. I feel like that's what's happened today in the Christian church in America. I can come and and preach my heart out on this radio, and I can give you all kinds of wonderful insight and understanding about who God is and what he wants to do in your life and invite you to participate in that. And, and you're like, what's pastor saying? I don't understand. I don't know how to do what he's talking about. What's going on? It's like the veil goes over your face and you don't get it. I've sometimes preached this gospel and said, Lord, why is it that so few will respond? Well, I understand now. The Holy Spirit steps in and says, I'm not going to let you understand this. There's a problem in your life. And until you take care of that problem, I'm not going to let you understand the deeper issues of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not going to understand how to have the power of God for healing. You're going to pray, and for the most part, nothing will happen. I'm going to block you from understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you say, that's not fair. Why would you do that? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about an intellectual understanding without a life that reflects the reality of that understanding. So you're a happy camper. You believe God loves me unconditionally. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But you're only an inch deep and a mile wide. You never are able to get into the deep things of God and experience the incredible power of Jesus Christ. You're not able to see his glory or to enter into his presence. You have some sentimental relationship with God. Oh, he's my best buddy. He's my best friend. But you're shallow. When you pray, you pray shallow prayers. Like... Bless me at work today. Take care of my sore toe. Do this, do that. No depth. No understanding of the deep things of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has blocked you from hearing and understanding the word of God. This is my greatest fear for you. Yes, I'm here at the command of the Lord to preach his word. And I lay it out day by day as plainly as I can. And I'm grateful for those of you who have the ability in the Spirit to comprehend the depth of what I'm saying to you. And you're growing in Jesus, and I rejoice in you. But many of you are not able to enter in. You are still shallow. You have no depth. You don't 
spend hours reading the Word of God. You don't spend time praying and crying out to God in a way that makes a difference. It's all shallow, superficial, nothing in depth. It doesn't touch the core of your being. And frankly, some of you, I don't mean to be offensive, but some of you are just plain shallow people. You're content to look at the TikTok, watch the YouTube, go to movies, go to Starbucks, go get something to eat. But you never ask the tough questions about your salvation and about your lack of power and why you've not been able to win anyone to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I rejoice in that man or woman who will take the time and the energy and the effort to weep before Almighty God over their sin and then weep over the sin of our nation and weep over the brokenness of our world. When was the last time you wept before Almighty God? When was the last time you were moved to tears as you prayed? Are you praying casual, shallow prayers? Or are you entering into the deep? Is God, by his Spirit, blocking you from being able to understand what's going on? Is the Holy Spirit blocking you out of the kingdom of God? Many of you are being blocked out of the kingdom of God because you have, first of all, refused to disown yourself. You have refused the crucifixion. But in this case, the disciples of Jesus They have lost the presence of the Holy Spirit. They have denied themselves. They have taken up their cross and followed after Jesus. But they still have taken an action that has blocked them from being able to hear and understand the words that Jesus is speaking to them in person. He's right there with them. And he's speaking this word, and they can't comprehend it. Let me read it for you. Mark 9, verse 33, or Luke 9, 43 through 45. I'm going to read you the Mark 9 passage. And they came into Capernaum, and having arrived in the house, he was questioning them. What were you discussing among yourselves on the way? He noticed as he was walking with them that they were hanging back a bit from him and they were having a heated conversation. So he just kept walking. But when they got in private, he asked them, what were you talking about? But they suddenly became very silent. Because on the road, they had been discussing with one another who was the greatest. And then if we go to Luke, Luke, the ninth chapter, verse 46. Let me read it for you. Then a debate took place among them, who of them might be greater. And I'm sure Peter was right in the forefront of that discussion with James and John, the sons of thunder. After all, they'd seen Jesus transfigured before them. They couldn't talk about it, but they held that in the back of their mind. And surely because Jesus chose them to go to the Mount of Transfiguration, they were the best. Jesus 
having seen the reasoning of their heart. Jesus was not listening to the words they were speaking. He was reading their heart. Jesus reads your heart. He took a child, he stood it beside himself, and he said to them, Whoever may receive this child in my name receives me, and whoever may receive me receives the one having sent me. For the one being least among you all, this is the one who will be great. Now, if we go back to Mark 9, verse 33, What were you discussing among yourselves on the way? They were they've been silent, for on the road they discussed with one another who was the greatest. And having sat down, he called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he will be last of all and servant of all. And having taken a young child, he set it in the midst of them. And having taken it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever may receive one of these little ones in my name receives me. And whoever may receive me receives not me, but the one having sent me. Now John speaks up. And he says, We saw a certain man casting out demons in your name who does not follow us, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. And Jesus said, you must not forbade him because there's no one who will do a miracle in my name and will be able to readily speak evil about me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever may give you a cup of water in my name because you are of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall never lose his reward. But whoever may cause one of these little ones Believing on me to sin, it's better for him if a millstone is hung around his neck and he's been thrown into the sea. And he talks about if your hand may cause you to sin, you must cut it off. It's better for you to enter into heaven or life a cripple than to have two hands to go away into Gehenna, or that is hell, into unquenchable fire. Are you understanding? The disciples were not able to understand the word of God. You will not be able to understand the word of God in the written form. If in your heart you have given way to how you can be the greatest... See, this is the opposite of being crucified with Jesus. This is the opposite of denying, disowning your life. It is taking your life back and saying, I'm going to be somebody here, and you better consider me somebody important, and I will argue to be right. I will argue to prove my point. I am somebody, and you must take consideration of me. then you will totally lose the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you, in the end, will be cast out. Pride comes to block our understanding in our mind the word of Jesus Christ. So we read it. We may even intellectually understand it, but we will not be able to take it into our soul, into our heart. We will miss heaven because we cannot understand the word that God speaks to us. Do you remember the Gospel of John, the first chapter? In the beginning... was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Word there is Logos. If you want to understand the Logos of God, if you want to understand the deep things of Jesus, then you're going to have to deny yourself. Deny means to disown yourself and come as a little child and begin to seek after Jesus. I love the story of Azuzu Street. Pastor Seymour was such a humble man of God, and God used him so mightily. One day they're they're all there, and a pastor from out of town comes. He's dressed, beautifully dressed in his suit. And he gets to about two blocks away from Azuzu Street. And suddenly the Holy Spirit falls on him. And when the Holy Spirit falls on him, he falls down into the dirt in his beautiful suit. And tears begin to stream down his face. For suddenly, God has come. And he is humbled. And now he can understand the word of God about his sin. Now he can confess his sin and repent when before he was the important pastor. He was the man. Do you, wonder, do you want to understand Jesus? Then deny yourself. Disown yourself. Take up your cross perpetually and follow Jesus. And consider yourself the least. And you will be the most. I'd love to hear from you. I want to thank each of you who's been giving so kindly. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. We'd love to have you come and visit us. Some Sunday, come and join us. As the Holy Spirit calls you. You're welcome also to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online, and all of the videos are there for you. Today's broadcast will be there later today. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.